0: Hello and welcome to to the boldness, <laughs> says he with a th- frog in his throat. That's a very bad wa- way to start a show. Um, <clears throat> for, the, for those new listeners, uh, the boldness is about not just waiting for, for some well-meaning p- person to give you your human rights, but demanding them. Uh, my co-host for the journey this evening is one Raphael Kaleb. Hello, Raphael.
1: Welcome back from your holidays, Finn. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. So, um, <clears throat> before we go into what's on today's show, we want to encourage people to subscribe to 3TR because 3TR is one of the only places where you can hear people with disabilities doing with their own voice... Uh, doing our own show, which is remarkably important.
1: Well, it's also the big bigger picture, Finn, though. Subscriber <coughs> month. 3CR is independent radio, bringing you shows like Let Your Freak Flag Fly and The Renegade Economist and about a lot of other current issues in the community Are uh, presenting the news behind the news, the stuff that other media... Has trouble accessing. Well, indeed, if you and if you like your if you like your your
0: media independent because three CR doesn't isn't uh, owned by any corporate entity or or isn't um, isn't a government institution. It is hundred percent independent. So you know that that you are helping independent, usually volunteer uh, volunteer run radio happens so uh, it really does add to your really does add to your media um, well it's it's a great it's a it's a great um, it's a great it's just a great station because it it really does um, give you a perspective you don't hear in mainstream media
1: and one of the perspectives we're going to hear about tonight is the boldness is interviewing bonnie miller President with Disabilities Australia, uh, President. Welcome to the show, Bunny. Hello. Hi. Hi, Thank Bonnie.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: It's quite okay, Bunny. How are you doing tonight?
2: Yes, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well.
1: Very good. So what is... um
2: Now,
0: we, as... as we mentioned just before, you are the president of People With Disabilities or the new president of People With Disabilities Australia. For those I
2: that, am, certainly am. For those, yes. that,
0: for those that don't know, what is what is People With Disabilities Australia?
2: Sure. Um, well, we are a national peak body for people with disabilities in Australia, so we are led by people with disabilities. Um, our board of directors is elected by our members, and many of our staff are people with disability as well. Um, we do advocacy around <laughs> systemic issues as well as um, individual advocacy for people with disabilities. So we tackle we tackle the big issues.
0: So,
1: so oops, <laughs> oops. what is your prediction for the issues that will affect people with disabilities?
2: Um, the NDIS is one of the biggest issues that we're facing at the moment, particularly this week with the with the backlash of welfare cuts. Um, it's about getting it right, really, and making sure that the budget rumbles are finally taken off the table. Um, we particularly would like the NDIS to be running smoothly, but there seems to be hiccups along the way. We need to get people with disability at the heart and centre of the NDIS. So we are working with a whole... Wide range of groups to make that happen. Um, the issues that are currently popping out of the government's decision to provide welfare cuts, um, including social security and childcare, to fund the NDIS. Um, it's going to be an ongoing issue and discussion as to why the NDIS, how the NDIS fits and our con- our continuous work in persuading the government to fund the NDIS as a completely separate as a completely separate. Um, like in in, in entirety to traditional social welfare. But um, as well as that, um, another big thing that we are finding, and it's something that um, has been continuing for many years, is employment discrimination. So the barriers of employment are large, and the bulk of the issues are spent on addressing the reasonable accommodation and accessibility and discrimination. And bluntly, it's about reassuring empl- employers that it's not all doom to hire a person with a disability um, and to look beyond the disability. Um, people with disabilities are often the most productive members of a team and want to be there to earn some bacon and contribute to their employer. And we are finding that employers tend to look past the proposed difficulty that a person with a disability is going to be a sponge of their budget and require too much in their accommodations. And this isn't... This isn't true at all and we would like to see a little bit more positivity in terms of employment as people with disabilities are still very much underemployed compared to non-disabled people and it needs to be addressed with some urgency. So those are some of the issues that we are addressing.
0: How do you plan to tackle these issues?
2: Oh, uh, It's going to be a very busy year for us actually because um, holding the government to account is... Uh, Something that uh, seems to be a reoccurring thing each year, because um, with the NDIS particularly. Um, so, how we're going to tackle it is very much, um, is very much um, keeping a keen eye on the current and emerging policies in regards to the shifting climate of disability issues, particularly around social security and the individual and systemic advocacy to ensure that people with disabilities and their voices heard. Um, yeah, so it's um very much with employment. It's leading the discussions about the barriers. It's also about education as well. Um, it's just making sure that people with disabilities, you know, are given the um given the opportunity to have a voice in the issues that are affecting them. So basically, the issues that we will be tackling is bringing people's voices, particularly our members' voices, to the table, and um letting them have a say rather than rather than um, working just on their voices. So just saying, you know, just saying these are real people, these are real issues, and holding the government accountable. So that's very much what PWDA and DPO Australia are doing presently.
0: And you mentioned that a key issue is the National Disability Insurance Scheme. What what are you, what are your members saying are the key issues with it at the moment?
2: Ah. Oh. They're saying so many. They're saying so many issues in regards to the NDIS. I mean, we've been tracking the NDIS closely and have been working in partnership with DPO Australia representative organisations to ensure that the NDIS remains on top of the agenda, um, that it's not going to go away and shoved under a carpet, it's actually going to move forth. And it's also calling the government up on issues that impact our members as well as hundreds of thousands of, um, of people with disability in Australia with or without an NDIS plan. Um, from our membership base, we've gained substantial and direct knowledge of the positive and negative facts experienced by people with disabilities in relation to the NDIS. Some people are absolutely you know, rolling along the NDIS quite nicely other people are experiencing massive difficulties in just communicating with the NDIS. So it comes under... We think the positive and negative um, things that we've been finding, Um, but it's been addressed by Deepdale Australia. PWDA contributed um, last year that right now it's a widespread and growing concern across Australia that the NDIS is demonstrating that we're reaching a critical and risky moment where the NDIS seems to be twisting from its original vision of choice and control um, as well as its original objective of what it tried to achieve. And people with disabilities are not being directly consulted with the changes of the NDIS, and nor do they have a say on how it's run. And that's particularly noticeable among our members because they want to have a say in how the NDIS impacts them. And it's also... Um, been shown on our, you know, on the board choices choices last year where ordinary people with disabilities at a grassroots level are not invited to be part of the NDIA board. Um, But it's also purely becoming a bureaucratic focus, um, which is becoming a concern to the limitations and failures of the NDIA's design. But um, yeah, so what the members are concerned about is that they're hitting brick walls in communicating with NDIA and also having their voices heard and members are also reporting that they're not getting the support that they need, the problems with the um, state-run services as well as the other disability services shutting down before the NDIS even started. They're also saying of long waiting times on the phone, lack of accommodations where communication is now phone-based, that's a... Very significant issues, um, but yeah, the members are saying this is the NDIS and it needs to address these issues. And they've had timely, they've had timely amounts to change it. But then again, other people's experiences have been positive and supportive. So it can it can go both ways. But our members are very vocal on how the NDIS is tracking.
0: Our guest t- tonight on the boldness is Bonnie Millen, the new president of People with Disabilities Australia, or Pwda, Bonnie, you mentioned before the controversy of the, of the uh, of Sc- Scott Morrison saying that the saying that the, uh, NDI, saying that the uh, there should be cuts to welfare, welfare and ch- child care, to mm. fund to fund the, and and by making these cuts we can they can fund the NDIs. Is that how government should be approaching funding the NDIS?
2: Well, no, definitely not. Um well, to be honest, I want to flip a table because it's um because it's uh, for what we thought was going to be um trending quite nicely with the NDIS being fitted and slotted into our social security as well as economic, you know, budget baseline for Australia, we've, we we've have found that it's gone the completely opposite way. I mean PWDA campaigned strongly against this this week. Um, We believe that the NDIS is an essential piece of social infrastructure, just like Medicare, and that we have to take it out of the regular budget cycles. Otherwise, we end up with this kind of mess where people with disabilities are pitted against the need of childcare and social security payments. Um, Childcare was a giant reform for last year and this year, and it still needs to be a reform. So to take funding away from social security and childcare where they are most needed to be addressed just as much as the NDIS is completely unfair. Um, and DPO Australia with PWDA have also released a media statement opposing the cuts strongly. So we've, we've been very loud. The government have also made cuts to the other parts of the budget. I mean, I mean, the question kind of arises as to why they have chosen to cut the most vulnerable population to fund an equally disadvantaged population i mean who's going to benefit It's it's going to benefit nobody so the how they're going about funding it is not the is not the right way it's a, it's a horrible policy decision
3: so
0: yeah, how how should the how should the NAIs be funded then
2: how should they be funded well it should be funded as a completely separate um initiatives just like Medicare, um, not necessarily under health, but economically in its own budget space. So as well as um as well as the NDIA can be sorry, I'll go back. Um as well as the you know, other areas of the budget, um, including education, health, uh, infrastructure, um, agriculture, any anywhere across the budget there can be lines drawn to assist in funding the NDIA. But it does not have to come from other, needed populations. Um, how we're we going to do that, I'm not. I'm not sure because it just seems to be everywhere at the moment. It's sure in in arguing how it should be funded. It should be funded just like Medicare in its own individual slot. Yeah, good. but where that money comes from needs to be equal.
1: Yeah. Hello, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. This is Rafael. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do people living in the country access disability services, and will the National Disability Insurance Scheme provide greater access to services for people in the country?
2: I'm hoping that this. I'm hoping that the um, country areas do gain a little bit more attention. I mean, it's one of our focus areas for this year for PWDA to get more, a little bit more involved in regional space. Because the increase for funding from the NDIS will increase demand. So it is economically dependent on service demand and availability of services. And what's being found is that there are no services and there's limited services because there's nothing to retain in the country and more people from the country are relying on transport to come to the cities for their services. It doesn't have to be that way. Um, but a particular concern of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the remote community shows just how much you know, um, limited support that they're getting and there needs to be more data around what exactly people in the country areas are receiving and whether they're receiving what they need. Um, we need to do more in rural and regional and remote areas to ensure that they are included in the NDIS in the most productive way and also their needs are being met in accordance to their disability Um, There needs to be more attention focused on creating service provisions in country areas to ensure that choice and control is available. And on the other hand, it's retaining jobs for service providers and health professionals to lower the dependency of travelling. So I, I do agree that in some spaces that the NDIS will provide greater access for services in the country, but those services need to exist in terms of it becoming choice and control because at the moment there is limited choice and control, which is very different contrast to their city counterparts. And so it shows a little bit of a very big imbalance as to what people in the country are receiving in comparison. So it's, um, it is something that needs to be addressed. Well,
0: what's being done currently for in relation to disability housing? Obviously, you mentioned service to the country, but disability housing is also
2: a key issue. Hmm. Housing affordability is a problem across the community um, in all in all cities, including rural areas, because the people, more people with disabilities, are living in poverty and are more disadvantaged. And um, and it is a particular issue for us, particularly around housing tenancy, in relation to private and public rental. Um, there also is a need for more accessible housing, which is rare, and they get snapped up quickly. It needs to be also accessible housing that is not institutionalised, as well as um, kind of kind of um, congregated living. So we need to move away from that model and start to become a little bit more um, encourage more independent housing. Um, unfortunately, neither of these issues have been tackled with any degree of seriousness from, by the government, um, it, including state governments and federal governments, kind of being shoved under the rug a bit. Basic accessibility features are not even mandatory in new buildings, it's not even required. Um, so we need to create a big investment in public and social housing but um and also to work to make sure that people can access housing in the private rental market as well because it's um yeah, it's a huge issue when when you go to apply for a house and you get knocked back simply because you have a disability or simply because it's just it doesn't it doesn't fit your needs. And it's, um, yeah, it needs to be addressed. But unfortunately, it's not being taken seriously.
1: Now, we're talking with Bonnie Miller, President of People with Disabilities Australia, on The Boldness tonight. Now, Bonnie, let's have a little bit of a chat about employment. Is yeah. a quota system the best way to address the very low disability employment participa- participation mm-hmm.
2: rate? I do it's the same as um i think do think it's similar to housing um it has not been addressed with seriousness seriousness from the government and it's not seen as a priority i think a quota system is the best way to readdress this because it will give us the the right numbers in um and as well as data and knowing how many people with disabilities are actually employed and the benefits that it is reaching for employers as well i mean it is it has been shown um, that people with disabilities do make great employees, but there are not enough employers out there that are actually hiring. Um, so I think quota system will be the best way to address the unemployment situation for both Australia, both Australia's you know economy as well as the um, yeah as well as the systemic disadvantage that are faced.
1: Now, Bonnie, is that from an employer's point of view that People with disabilities, one of the reasons they make very good employers is because they have a lower rate of absenteeism, they have very high productivity, and they also uh, boost staff morale as well. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to having a job interview, at a personal level, should a person disclose a disability at the job interview? Oh, I'm on the fence about
2: this, actually. I'm, on, I'm very much on the fence because... Um... Because it comes down to what um whether people are comfortable with disclosing their disability, but it also depends on the context in which it's delivered. Um, I have found from a personal perspective, and I think um I wonder whether anybody else shares it, I tended to mention my disability that I wear a hearing aid and cochlear implants during past interviews to get a feel from the panel or the interviewer in how the organisation will address this. Um the best interviews that I've had have been interviews, interviewers saying openly, "What can we do to make your, you know, role easier? What accommodations do we need to have in place?" They have been the best ones because I found that they are most open to new ideas. Whereas I've also had interviewers look at me with a blank face, and I can tell that it's going to go nowhere because it's um, because you can just tell from their, the look on their faces that they just they just don't know. How to deal with me and my disability? Am I going to be a problem? Am I going to be a burden? But on the negative, I've also, um, I mean, in the study situation as well. I mean, it's that I don't, I do tend to take advantage of the fact that I do, I am open with my disability um, because I can't use the phone very well at times um, because sometimes I just don't hear as well as I could on a face-to-face basis. So. In a job interview, I tend to find that if I'm open with this, with the needs um, that I require, it can go both ways. So there have been times where I wanted to keep private because there are times where you kind of think, does my 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 disability, is my identity? Do I need to disclose my identity? Is it any different to, you know, how somebody might disclose that they have a, a bad back or something? Is, there, is, is, is it going to be useful for them? But at the same time, I kind of think it is kind of useful to disclose disability because then you get a feel of how the person will tackle it. Are they going to be open about it rather than being hired and then they go, oh, what have we done? You know, so it's, it's, it's a lot, I find it a lot simpler to be open, but I can understand why people are not. Yeah.
1: Well, Bonnie, you <laughs> There's a bit,
2: said, of, well, bit Bonnie, of an anxiety around that.
1: Well, Bonnie, it actually leads on to another really important question. Yep. If a person has a disability and they're receiving a Centrelink review, what are some of the practical things they can actually do to address this? Or where does the People with Disabilities Australia stand with this?
2: Uh, could you repeat the first part of the question?
1: Well, is that with Centrelink doing um, reviews from a disability support pension regarding in, reporting employment income... Ah, uh, yes. Now, what are some of the things that a person... People with Disabilities Australia would suggest if they are asked to have a review.
2: Sure, oh, sorry, I thought we were still t- um we we're still talking about the job interview question. I kind of got a little bit lost for a minute. Um, I would I would suggest um for People with Disabilities Australia to address it. We can be we can be reached on the Disability Information Rights Services, which um, can be called on 0293703100. I can't give specific central link advice to people over the air because each and every person has um, individual needs. But um, generally, as an organisation, we keep asking the government to lay off people with disability and to stop making it a hindrance. Um, The constant reviews and changing of of rules um, are stressful and difficult for many people. So we need to support people with disability to get into employment and not scaring them so much as that towards working might lose their income support payments, which is essentially what it is. I mean, you can't win. I mean, if you're on the DSP, you get labelled a bludger. If you're not on the DSP, you can't find, you know, employment, which, you know, so the government needs to kind of lay off on being... Having a negative connotation to having the disability support pension, but also encouraging people that are more tailored in terms of finding work. So we do, we do can, we can support people in terms of um, giving a call to suggest to different um, situations, um, people's different personal views on how they are addressing their employment, as well as um, coming up with solutions to make it more inclusive for them.
1: Well, Bonnie, with the social inclusion policies in place regarding discrimination, should more places or courses be offered regarding training, for example, as an integration aid um, Mm -hmm. for disability studies or learning Auslan, for example? I think that
2: it does need to be, I think policies need to be put in place for, you know, all courses regarding training. Um, People with Disability Australia offer a lot of consultation training to um, people in the workforce as well as other organisations around disability, around discrimination, um, also around hiring people with disabilities, basically. So we, we offer a lot of training to get past the issue. But there needs to be... There needs to be more social inclusion policies in, and it comes back to not scaring people away from hiring a person with a disability. It's having to just, you know, provide some education and how to provide reasonable accommodations and what kind of things can they expect. Um So social inclusion policies need to be central to anything that is offered in the training and um, education uh, setting. So it needs to be mandatory. There needs to be a backup for videos or visual materials if catchments are required in the training session, um, even audio descriptions. Um, It needs to also be considered if the training setting is accessible. So it's even asking people when providing the training, what do you think about this setting? Do you think... sort of thing can you spot that are wrong about this setting? So it's about educating people to kind of think of it in a different frame of mind. So it's also um, having another person interpreting Auslan that it's not such a foreign foreign thing to have somebody in the corner of the room communicating to another student. And also the same as um, it shouldn't have to be considered as a difference. It should be considered as a norm. So definitely I do think that social inclusion policies need to be... You know, regarding discrimination as well, needs to be front and central of any training of course because it is adding, it is adding the disability voice and as well as educating others.
0: Now, now Bonnie, we've, sadly, we're run, we're about to run horribly out of time. So, so can you just tell me when? Can you just uh, let people know if they want to find out further info about uh, people with disabilities in Australia? <laughs> How can they go about it?
2: Okay, sure. Um, Yes, so you can just head to our website, which is pwd.org.au, and you can also find us on Facebook um, under People with Disability Australia and also Twitter.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us this evening, Bonnie.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Fantastic. That was Bonnie Millen, the the president of people with disabilities australia now before we get out of here we we've got to just quickly mention for people to subscribe you can to 3ca you can go to 3 crorgau and do exactly that so please do okay, okay we we we're, we're out of here what what track are we playing
1: we're going out with a song waterfall by hardy everett in the year of the fire rooster Please subscribe to um, 3CR. Next up, we have got 10 more voices. Keep listening, and we're back on, I think, it's the 20th of March. Look forward to that. See you next month. See ya.